tonic at the end of a long day, uh, the playfulness of kids splashing in puddles, uh, seeing somebody at the airport you haven't seen for a long time. But there hasn't been a lot of joy recently in the world, has there? Um, it's just been very sad watching the news, the Ukraine-Russian war, rising bills in all areas of life, still battling COVID. I think one of the most joyful things recently on the news was that little girl who was reunited with her mum after her mum was released from captivity in Iran. So today, we're looking at the journey through Acts 16 of the theme of joy, the joy of the conversion of Lydia, the disciples being in prison but singing with joy, and the joy of their release and the joy of the conversion of the jailer. But all of this was amongst difficult times. So let's look at Lydia first. We've been following the journey of Paul through the Acts uh, stories as he shares Jesus with lots of different people. And his usual pattern of this was to start off in a synagogue. So he would start off from that place usually first. But actually there wasn't a synagogue in Philippi. Um, something I learned was that in general there had to be 10 men for meeting in a synagogue. And so maybe they didn't have enough in Philippi for that. But there was a regular place of prayer down by the river. And this seemed to be a, a place where a group of women often met and prayed. And Lydia was a Gentile who'd come to realize that there was something in Judaism that was quite powerful and quite attractive. And so already had a bit of a leaning towards God. She was a businesswoman, an independent figure dealing in purple cloths with a household behind her. And Luke tells the story very simply. The Lord opened her heart to hear his voice and to believe what Paul was saying. And so God was already knocking on the door. And so the, the word that was said to her opened up what was already in her heart. She opened up that door. In came the light and she and her household were baptized. And I think that's a really important message that Jesus is always offering an invitation and often his spirit has gone out before us. He's already prepared the ground for somebody to be open to hear the good news. So in 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 to 5, it says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. So it's really good for us to remember that and to pray for the Holy Spirit to touch people even before we come into contact with them. I've been working on, um, with Shirley Baptist on an Alpha course and it's just been an amazing uh, sort of time that we've had together. And everybody, you know, felt really moved in their journey with God throughout the course. But there was one particular person who wasn't uh, at all connected with, with church and was given a leaflet for Alpha the day before the course started. And unbeknown to the person who gave him the leaflet, um, he had been praying and looking for Alpha. He thrived on the course, loving every ses session, and at the end said he felt that he had accepted Jesus into his heart and felt different, felt that anxieties had been lessened. It was such an encouraging story. God was already speaking to him even before we got involved. And Paul and his disciples would have known such joy at the conversion of Lydia. And the, Alpha, you know, the leaders of Alpha felt the same about this person coming to know Jesus. 
And then what about the joy of singing in prison? How many of us might have done that? So this part of the story starts where um, uh, Paul was walking around the market um, and there was a battle with spiritual forces. So a girl starts following them in the market, shouting things. She had a spirit within her that recognized who they were, but she was being exploited to make money. She was predicting the future for people. And so they try, Paul and tries to ignore it, but they come to a point where they don't want to be associated with this. It goes on and on. They would have also had compassion for the girl and wouldn't want to see the girl dominated by the evil one. So Paul and Silas command the spirit of prophecy to leave her in the name of Jesus, and it did. And those who are making money from this then turn nasty. The girl's minders then drag Paul and Silas before the magistrates, saying they're Jews, anti-Roman, trying to change our customs. And there would have been a fear of public disorder. And therefore, Paul and Silas are jailed in a top-secure jail, their feet imprisoned, and this follows them being stripped, flogged, uh, uh, stripped and flogged as well. In the pain after brutal flogging, they still find energy to pray together and sing out loud. They praise God with joy, even though the circumstances seem bad. And yet at midnight, wonder of wonders, an earthquake happens and their chains fell off. The jailer appears and is frightened they all escaped. He's ready to take his own life because he would have been at huge risk of punishment if people had escaped and he realized uh, you know, and, and he would have been held responsible. And yet he realizes that they are all still there. No one has escaped. And the jailer is amazed and says, what do I need to do to be saved? Scholars now think that it's probably unlikely that would have been a spiritual question. It probably would have had a meaning more likely of, please tell me how I can get out of this mess. And Jesus himself speaks of being saved quite often, but generally he uses this word in the context of being healed. Your faith has saved you and made you well. Saving meaning being rescued, delivered from the problem that you're facing. And perhaps that resonates with some of the big questions we ask God. What do I do in a marriage that is falling apart? What do I do when my workplace is making me so anxious? What do I do when I'm so worried about the world and war and violence? What do I do when I'm worried about somebody who's ill? Paul recognizes in the jailer's question the underlying spiritual question that's being asked. He's able to understand and answer the need that exists in the jailer for the answer to the bigger question, and the answer is Jesus. Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus, and the jailer recognizes the truth in this, and he and his whole household are saved. Jesus stands at the door and knocks, and the response he looks for us from us is the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ as Lord. As it says in Philippians 2, verse, 20, verse 10, sorry. If you confess with your lips, Christ is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I referenced at the beginning Nazarene Zagari Ratcliffe, uh, the woman who was released from Iran a couple of weeks ago. 
But the other person who was released at the same time was a guy called Anusha Ashori. He was 68 years old. He was in a prison in Tehran, and he'd been sentenced to 10 years for spying in 2017. During his five-year incarceration, he said, hope was the only emotion that kept me alive and from insanity. Ashuri traveled to Iran in August 2017 to see his mother. He was taken against his will by car and, started, and they started interrogating him. They said if he did not cooperate, they would take him to jail. They took him to his house, took a laptop, phone and hard drive, and then they took him to a prison, strip searched him and interrogated him sometimes for 10 hours. They would say talk and he replied, what should I talk about? Anything, they said, and they tried to make me write my guilt down. And ironically, the paper they gave me said at the top, your salvation is in your honesty. But during the past 68 years, you cannot find a shred of evidence that I was politically active. Paul was in a similar situation, imprisoned without any proper reason, which we will see because at the end of the, the chapter, he's released with apologies by the authorities. Ashuri did have hope in his situation. Where that came from, I don't know. But we know where Paul's hope came from in his situation. I don't think any of us probably know what would happen to us if we were in that situation. But you may feel trapped in situations today where you feel there is no answer to the mess that, you, that it, you're in. And ultimately, as we come to the last bit of the passage, I think God's purposes are worked out, which is an ultimate celebration of joy. This was actually the first time Paul was brought before the Roman magistrates, but it's going to happen to him many times more. Sometimes he escapes, and sometimes he's let go by the authorities with the recognition that they are false charges. We see this huge change in the, in the jailer who was prepared to die rather than take the consequences. After his conversion, he takes those prisoners, he takes them out of jail, he washes their wounds, and he takes them home to feed them. What a radical change. And the magistrates let Paul and Silas go. As I say, they apologized to them as they were Roman citizens, but requested they leave the city. Uh, they go on their way, and uh, on the way they go to Lydia's house and encourages the, the new church that is formed there. So in this joy, we see three people who are changed, um, uh, which is a really lovely picture of God changing people in situations that are unusual. And actually, those three people, a woman, a slave, and a Roman, were who Jews generally held in contempt. The head of a Jewish household would pray every morning and thank God he wasn't a woman, Gentile, or slave. Lydia was a businesswoman, an immigrant in Philippi, not a native and a wealthy woman. The slave girl was a Greek, probably, probably a foreign slave imported, a female slave owned by somebody else, nothing to her name. And the jailer was a retired soldier, probably Roman, Responsible, but a Gentile, not a Jew. Yet they were all unified in Jesus. Galatians 3.28 There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, 
nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So some practical tips to find joy. The first and I think foundational sort of habit is asking the Holy Spirit to renew your mind every single day. Romans 12.2 urges, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Renewing our mind happens through inspiration from the Holy Spirit, who serves as our counsellor, advocate, helper, comforter and teacher. And as the Holy Spirit renews our minds, we'll gain the opportunity to see situations more clearly. And the Spirit will give direction to attention to what matters most, including joy. Second thing, don't take anything for granted and be thankful. Consider keeping a gratitude journal where you write down a list of blessings daily uh, and, and also go back to those entries when you need encouragement. So before the end of the day, just before you go to sleep, make sure that you think of something joyful and something to be thankful for in your day, even, even if it's very small. The more you express gratitude, the more you train your mind to look for blessings. Since blessings are evidence of God's work in your life, they point you towards God who can give you the joy that you need. And finally, pray about everything. Turn everything in your life over to God. Philippians 4.6 says, Do not worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. So rather than worrying about difficult circumstances, you can trust God to help you with them in each moment. Doing so will help you be more aware of God's presence in your life. Psalm 16.11 says of God, You will fill me with joy in your presence. So in summary, ask the, Lord, uh, ask the Holy Spirit to renew your mind, be thankful, and pray about everything. Happiness can elude us, since it's always based on good circumstances. However, joy is always within reach. We have the power to choose joy, regardless of circumstances. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this uh, reminder of Paul and your work in, within Paul and within the, uh, the early church. We thank you for the conversion of Lydia, the conversion of a household, the start of that new church in Philippi. We thank you for the story of the jailer, for the fact that he was also converted and found you, for the fact that there was change that was brought about in him because of that. And we thank you for that slave girl who was released from that spirit who confined her and kept her trapped. Lord, we thank you that there is joy in each of these difficult circumstances. And I pray that you would help us to find joy. I pray that that joy would be a certainty of knowing you and knowing that you are with us in those difficult circumstances. I thank you that we can be thankful. I thank you that there's always blessings in our day. I thank you for the people around us who love us and care for us. And Lord, we just pray that you would speak to us now Help us if we are struggling with something difficult in our lives at the moment. Lord, pray that we would just remember to focus on you, to ask for that renewing of our minds, to be thankful and to always pray, knowing that you hear and that you answer. 
We ask these things in your name.